Well, if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 6, we'll be continuing in our study through the book of Galatians. We've been studying now since about February. Sometime in February, February we started the book of Galatians, and uh, we've traveled almost through it. We'll finish it up this morning. And uh, what we have seen is, is one of the Apostle Paul's amazing arguments for salvation coming through grace alone. And it, it doesn't just end with salvation. In chapter 5 and 6, we've watched it as how he's called us as Christians to live in the Spirit, to walk after the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of our flesh. And uh, in chapter 1 and 2, he gave us his, ex- his, his experience with grace. In chapter 3 and 4, he made his Old Testament uh, doctrinal argument for salvation by grace. And then in chapters 5 and 6, we've been looking and studying as how he says, hey, listen, as Christians, we should be walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of our flesh. And we talked about over the last several weeks about there's the fruit of the Spirit, that if we will walk in the Spirit, if we will fulfill the, the Spirit, then we will bear this fruit in our life. And we can't bear this fruit that we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit in the flesh. It only comes through walking in the Spirit. But as we've gone through this, we've realized to get to the root of the problem that was happening in the churches of Galatia was the Apostle Paul came there. He planted the churches. He brought salvation with him, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He shared that message with them. And now some group of men known as Judaizers are coming behind the Apostle Paul. And they want, to, they want to attach something to their salvation. They want you to follow a set of rules. They want you to follow a set of requirements, predominantly Jewish law. They were trying to take the Gentile Christians and turn them into Jews. And this morning, Paul's going to show us their motivation for doing that. And Paul's going to contrast their motivation for being Judaizers, or we've also referred to them as legalists, In today's world, we don't really have Judaizers, people trying to make believers Jewish. What we have is we have is we have legalism that has sort of infiltrated some of our churches and our and our and our religions that we have to be careful of. So we've kind of likened those two over this over the last several weeks. And this morning, Paul's going to show us the, the motivation, the motivation of these Judaizers, the motivation of a legalist on why they do what they do. And he's also going to determine, he's going to show us what his motivation is. What's motivated the Apostle Paul to live the life that he's lived? So if you'll pick up with me in verse 11, we'll start here. Chapter 6, verse 11 of the book of Galatians. He starts with this. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. So just to put that into context for us, what's taking place is typically when Paul would dictate a letter, he would have a scribe or a secretary that was writing the letter out for him. Well, at this point in this letter, Paul says, give me the pen. Give me the pen. I want to finish this up. I'm going to finish the salutation. I'm going to finish the postscript. I'm going to finish the conclusion of this letter. I want to finish myself. And then he makes it very clear that he's writing here with large letters. I'm writing here with large letters. I've written to you with my own hand. Now, why would the Apostle Paul be writing with such large letters? There's three predominant reasons people have suggested or commentators have suggested, but he takes over the pen. He begins printing or writing in very large letters. And what some suggest that the Apostle Paul had poor eyesight. We know that he had a thorn in his flesh and he couldn't see very well. So in order to see properly, we can say that he, had, he was writing these large letters so that he could see what he was writing. 
It could be, but there's really no biblical evidence for that. A lot of commentators have, have settled on that, and they agree on that, and that's okay. And some others have suggested that the Galatian church, the churches in the region of Galatia, they were immature, and they weren't acting like they should have been. So Paul's sort of, a, he's berating them a little bit, and he's writing like, like childish. Since you're acting childish, I'm going to write like a child to you. Well, I don't really think that's it. I don't think the Apostle Paul was, that wasn't his personality to do such a thing. I think what he's really doing is he wants to draw attention to what he's about to write. There's emphasis being placed on something. If you send somebody an email and you want to draw attention to a specific part of it, you'll make it bigger, right? You'll, you maybe you'll increase the font, you'll make it bold, you'll make it underlined. You'll do something to something very important that says, this is where I want you to focus. This is important. So when we come to this in Scripture, the Apostle Paul says, listen, I want you to pay attention to this. This is really important. He takes the pen out of the scribe's hand, and he begins to finish the letter himself. That lets us know, hey, Paul's got something to say. So if you've slept through the entire book of Galatians, now's when you want to wake up. Now's when you say, all right, all right, Paul, give it to me. Give it to me in three sentences. I can understand it. The chapter ends at, what, verse 18, so we're not going to go very far. Give it to me short and sweet, Paul. That's what the Apostle Paul is going to do this morning. He says this in verse 12. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. There it is again. Paul's had a lot to say about circumcision. You see, that was the key issue that they were focusing on. The Judaizers came behind the apostle Paul and they said, listen, it's great you guys have believed, but now you need to become Jewish. Now you need to get circumcised. And naturally, there's a lot of guys going, no, 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 no. I mean, that's not happening. We're not, no, 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 no. Paul, help us out here. Well, there was also a lot of guys saying, yeah, that's what we need to do. That's the process we need to take. And the Apostle Paul is going to say, listen, it's not going to matter what you do in your flesh. What matters is what you do in your spirit. So what he does here in these two verses, he exposes the motives of these Judaizers. And we can liken these motives, or we can liken these, 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 uh, these plans of these Judaizers to what we would call a legalistic Christian today. You guys know what a legalistic Christian is? It's somebody who wants to place rules on your life. Not you placing rules on your life, me placing rules on your life. It's me setting a standard for you to live by because I think it's a good standard. It might be a standard I set up in my own life or it might be just one I think is good for you. But I begin to, or somebody begins to place these rules, this legalism on your life and you know what they're doing? They're throwing a burden on you. Because if a, if a person in a position of authority tells you you need to act a certain way and you keep failing because you can't act that way, how does that make you feel? Pretty bad. I, I want to I do what I'm supposed to do and I can't do it. I'm not able to do it. I keep falling short. I keep failing. Listen, the first thing Paul says for motives. Did you catch it there? A legalistic Christian or a Judaizer desires to make a good showing in the flesh. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. These are people who want you to look good in the flesh. 
They want you to act a certain way. They want you to dress a certain way. They want you to behave a certain way. They want you to like the certain things that they like. They want you to, to behave the way the standard that's been set up. In this case, in Galatia, it was Judaism. But I want you to notice something here because I think it's important that we understand that a legalistic Christian can place a burden on somebody, but the burden is not the problem. The, let me put it to you this way. If I tell you, if I say to you, you need to do more evangelizing. You need to go out and evangelize more. Have you gone out and evangelized this week? Is that a bad thing? If, if I'm encouraging you to, to do, do more evangelism, sure, is that bad? No, of course not. But notice what it says here in verse 12. As many as desire to make a good thing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. The key word there is compel. The key, that means to force you, to drive you, to, to, to really make you have to go do this. When you're going, I don't know that I really want to do that. I'm really not comfortable doing that. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of an introverted person. I don't want to go out and talk to people. I don't, I don't like talking to people in my everyday life. Why are you making me go out and talk to people? You see, that's the difference is, is when, when Paul says they want to make a good showing in the flesh. They want to give you a good impression of themselves. They want to be prominent. They want to be right before you. And you can always tell because they'll begin to talk about what their flesh has done. Let me share with you how many people I've brought under the law of Moses this week. Let me share with you how many people I've evangelized. Let me share with you how many people I've prayed with today. Let me share with you how much time I spent in Bible study this week. Let me share. They're always telling you what, you, what they've done in the flesh. Why? Because they want to impress you. They want you to look at what they're doing in the flesh and go, hey, that's pretty cool. I wish I could be like that. So Paul's saying the legalistic mindset, the legalistic mentality, these Judaizers, the first thing that they were doing, their first motive that he exposes here is, is their desire to make a good showing in the flesh. I'm here to tell you this morning that your flesh is not spiritual. Your flesh is not spiritual. We have flesh. It's, it's, it's our body. If you followed everything your body wanted to do, would it lead you closer to God or further away? Further away, wouldn't it? It would lead you further away. Yeah, it's your spirit. It's what's inside of you that has to connect with God. It's, it's, listen, here's how it works. This is the practical application of sort of legalism, the compelling. When it, I, I use, the, I use the, the, the example of evangelism. There are a lot of churches that say you have to go out and knock on doors. I want you to hit the neighborhood, hit the block, go knock on doors, lead people to Christ. Is that necessarily wrong? Not at all. It's a good thing. But if I, as the pastor, am up here compelling you, making you, pushing you, driving you to do that, and it's not your conviction, you're just taking what I'm driving onto you, you're not following what the Lord's calling you to do. Now, I would say to you, if the Lord puts on your heart to go knock on doors and share Christ, go do it. Why are you still sitting here? Go on. You know, but if, if I'm the one compelling you to do it, then it becomes a burden. To, you ever been compelled to do something for Christ that you didn't really want to do? And you go out and you do it and you feel like, I don't really want to be here. I don't really want to do this. And then and you go do it and you go, all right, I did it. Great, I'm done. It was, it was purely fleshly. There was nothing spiritual involved. We see it happening in churches with giving, with money. Have you ever been to a church where they compelled you to give? When the offering plate passes the 14th time around because they haven't had enough money yet? 
They're compelling you. They're, we're drawing you. Is it bad to give to the church or to give to the Lord? No, not at all. We're supposed to. The Bible tells us we're supposed to. But we don't even take an offering. Why? Because I don't want to compel you to give to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want it to be of your own free will. We have our box in the back. If you want to give, give, great. The New Testament says God loves a cheerful giver. But I could compel you. I could get more money if I compelled you. The church could get more money if I compelled you. Statistically speaking, if we were to pass the offering plate, we could increase tithing and offering tremendously. If I could, if I could put a bucket in the front and have you guys get out of your seat during worship, and, and we'd even increase it more. I've been to churches like that. They're compelling you. They're driving you. They're not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in that. Now, I can tell you this, when it comes to offering, when it comes to evangelism, some of you guys here met, got introduced to Christ through this church. You got saved through here. Why? Because the Lord brought you here, or because I met you out on the street somewhere, or we ran into each other somehow, someplace, somewhere. Other people within the church have brought people, but there's no compelling that has to happen. You see, when we begin to do the things of the Lord, because we're being compelled by somebody else, we're dangerously close to being in that legalistic realm. And when you get in that legalistic realm, it's a burden. It wears on you. As a pastor, I can compel you guys to do a lot of things. Do you know, we're going to have pancake breakfast today. It takes about nine or ten volunteers to serve at pancake breakfast. Nine or ten people have to volunteer their Sunday afternoon and say, hey, I'll, I'll come make pancakes, I'll help clean up, I'll do all that kind of stuff. Do you know that we don't compel anybody to do that? If there's a need, I simply make the need available. Hey, if we need volunteers, if you want to volunteer, go see Tammy. She'll, she'll help out with that. She'll set you up with it. But I, have, I don't have to compel. And what I've found as I've, as I've set the standard in this fellowship not to compel anybody, the Lord has met every need along the way. Financially, we're, we're buying a radio station. We're getting ready to, to open up a radio station. I've never asked for a donation for it. The Lord provided Financially for the building and all the, the expenses, the Lord provides every week for it. I don't have to get up here and ask for it. But if I compelled, if you gave out of being compelled, you really wouldn't be given for the right reasons. And here's what I know. The Lord doesn't need your money. He doesn't. I don't need your money. My God will provide for all the needs that he's called me to do. God will provide for this fellowship in everything that he's called us to do. If he's called us to do something and he's not providing, then we have to wait till he does. It's a real simple concept. That's why we don't do, that's why we look a little different than some of the other churches that way. But there's nothing wrong with a Gentile getting circumcised. Understand that. There's nothing wrong with a Gentile saying, I want to keep the Sabbath. There's nothing wrong with you taking part of what you want to do and out of the Lord, out of the Old Testament law, saying, I want to I do that in my life. The problem is when you begin, when you're compelled to do it, that's when the burden takes place. That's when the legalism falls, and that's when you're living this life, this living this burden, where you're living under this legalistic society or this legalistic mentality. That's the first thing. They want a good showing in the flesh. Their second motivation, Paul says, he says, so they would not suffer persecution for the cross. They would not suffer persecution for the cross. They desire to make a good showing in the flesh. These would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Paul says they don't want to suffer persecution. You have to understand something here. When Paul 
says the word cross, that was a word that wasn't spoken of in that day. That was, that's a common word in our culture. We wear them on our neck. We have them in churches. They're all over the place. It's a symbol that we've associated with Christ and his death on the cross for our sin. But in that day, when someone said cross, it meant crucifixion. And when crucifixion was talked about, it wasn't talked about in good light. It was talked about, it was a horrible way to die. It was the worst possible way that anybody could ever die. It was torturous. It, it was terrible. So that word, when Paul's saying that, it wasn't, it's not like it's a good word. It wasn't even spoke of in a social setting. You wouldn't sit around the table and talk about a cross or a crucifixion. It wouldn't even be spoken of. You wouldn't even mention it. And here's what he says. Let me put it to you in, in easy to understand terms. He says, the message of the cross is being watered down so that people won't have to endure the persecution. They're watering down the message. They're, they're taking the cross. They're taking what it represents. And they're changing it by telling you that you now come to the Lord. You, come, you now get right with God by the way that you act. By the way that you're behaving. By, by the way that you're living. You can be right with God. Just become Jewish. Just get circumcised. Just get this. You can become right with God. Just come to church. Do you know that coming to church will not save you? You can get right with God. Just give money. Giving money won't save you. You can get right with God. Do something nice for somebody else. That won't save you. The only thing that can save you is when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection, his death on the cross. That's what can save us. But Paul says they don't want to suffer the persecution that goes along with that. Now let me put it to you in context. Judaism was an accepted religion by the Roman government. So if they could mesh Christianity, and, they could, and Christianity came out of Judaism, which we know. If they could mesh the two together and make it look like they were Jewish, they could avoid persecution by the Roman government. That's what Paul's saying. They don't want to be persecuted by the government, so therefore they're falling in line with Judaism. We're not really, we're, we're Christian Jews. Why? Because now the Roman government accepts our religion. But if we were to say we're a Christian, we're a follower of Jesus Christ, well, you could burn at the stake for that. Look back over church history. Do you see the difference? The Apostle Paul says, listen, they're afraid of being persecuted. Their motivation, their motivation, the first thing is they want to show, they want you to look good, they want to look good in the flesh. The second thing is they don't really want to create any, any waves. They don't really want to create any problems. They just, they just want to kind of fly under the radar. But listen, if we preach that works are important, or works are what saves us, works is how we get to heaven, we are watering down, literally taking away what Jesus did on the cross. If we can get to heaven through works, why did he have to die? There's no, there'd be no reason for his death on the cross. Why did he have to suffer? Why did he have to do that? And here's the thing. If we water down the cross... If you water down the sacrifice, it makes your beliefs more palatable to other people. Nobody has a problem with God. The Muslims have a God. Everybody, the Hindus have a God. Everybody's got a God. Everybody will talk about God. But if you start to, you sit around work and you start talking about the cross and you start talking about the blood that was shed, people are going to be offended by that. You start talking about salvation through, through faith alone. You start talking about Jesus died on the cross. He shed blood. Why? For your sins. That bothers people. They don't want to admit the fact that they have sin in their life. They don't want to admit that, that, that they're the problem. 
They don't want to admit that God the Father had to send God the Son to bear the burden of my sins, of your sins. That's where the sacri- That's why we enjoy grace, because he took the burden of my sin and your sin on him. When you mess up this week, you can look back at the cross and go, that's where it was paid for. There was no pass given. There was nothing that says, well, God's just being a nice guy today and I'm going to overlook your sins. No, that sin that we commit has already been paid for. He endured it on the cross. And Paul says that's offensive to people, and they're trying to avoid persecution, so they're watering it down. Churches today are doing the exact same thing. They don't want to talk about hell. You can go into churches and hear secular music playing. Why? We want to to make it seeker-friendly. I don't want to be seeker-friendly. I want to share the cross of Jesus Christ. People will either come to it or they're going to run from it. It's not about building a church. Why? Because it's a good showing in the flesh. We can build a bigger church. If, if we get more people, then we can have more money and we can do... No. I'd rather preach truth and speak truth and have less people than have a thousand people listening to some feel-good message that has no impact in their life. But that's what the churches are doing. That's what's taking place around our, our country. Get online. Listen to what some of the churches are teaching. Listen to what they say. See how many are mentioning the cross and the death and the blood and hell and sin, your sin, my sin. It's not talked about. Let's, not talk, let's talk about the good things. No, that's, we have to talk about what the Bible says. It gets watered down. But here's the application. Will you make a stand? Or do we, do we water down the cross in our own life? Do we forget how important it is? When we're at work and somebody says, how was your weekend? What'd you, what'd you do? Will you say that you went to church and you heard a message on the cross of Jesus Christ or did you just kind of pass it by? Oh, I just hung out this weekend. It was pretty quiet, didn't do much. When someone says to you something, hey, what, you know, what'd you do? What'd you do this week? Oh, I'm going to a night of worship on Friday night at church. We're gonna go worship God because he died on the cross for my sins. Well, Rob, I, don't, I mean, we don't, wanna, we don't wanna alienate people. We don't want people to think we're weird. Pastor Saeed Abedini's in prison. For the cross. People are dying for the cross. People are dying for their faith, and we don't want people to think that we're weird. We don't want people to think that we're, we're out there a little bit. Well, they'll think I'm kind of crazy. The crazy, sinful people are going to think that we're crazy? That doesn't make any sense. People are dying for Christ. We cannot be afraid somebody's going to look at us funny because we talk about our salvation through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. It has to be the most important thing in our life. Your relationship with God needs to be more important in your life than anything else. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all the other things will be added to you. Matthew says that. Seek first. What is it that we seek first in our life? What is it that we seek first? Now, there's a third motivation, he says. The third motivation the Apostle Paul gives us, he says they didn't want to suffer the persecution for the cross. They wanted to have a good showing in the flesh. And the third thing, he says, they want to boast in your flesh. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Paul says, listen, they want you to keep the law, but they're not keeping the law. They want you to do it. They want you to do these things, but they're not doing these things. Why? So that they can get around and they can boast, which means they can brag about what you're doing in your flesh. Now think about that logic for a minute. If I were to get up here and tell you 
we're going to have a campaign, and we're going to have a, a read the word campaign. And all of you guys are going to sign that. You're signed up whether you like it or not. So every day for the next 30 days, you're going to spend 30 minutes reading your Bible. And I'm going to test you on it and make sure you're really reading it. And we're going to put a chart up here. And we're going to mark off everybody who's reading their Bible. And then I'm going to get with my pastor friends in other parts of the country. I'm going to say, well, how many people read their Bible in your church? Well, how many, this, is how many read my Bible in, this is how many read the Bible in my church. That's, do, do you see the point there? They're, 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 they're trying to, they're, they're saying, well, and then it would be like me not reading it. My people are reading it. The people that I'm teaching, are, but, but I'm not doing it. I've put a burden on them to do it, but I don't put it on myself to do it. You see, Paul's whole point with all of this, and he said it back in the, in the previous chapter, if you'll follow the Holy Spirit, you don't need the law because the Holy Spirit will build love in your life and everything will be fulfilled in love. That's, what, that's his whole point with all this. They want to boast in your flesh. Have you ever met somebody that wants to boast in what you're doing? They want to talk, uh, look how many people so-and-so led to Christ. Look how many people, so, look how long so-and-so prays. Look how long, it, it becomes a statistical thing. It becomes a data thing. How many people go to your church? How many people have you led to Christ? How many people are doing this? How many people are doing that? Paul says, let it all go. Just follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Just be led by the Holy Spirit and everything else will work out in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of the other stuff will be added to it. That's what we need to learn to do. Seek first the kingdom of God. Listen for people boasting in what somebody else has done. Do, do this sometimes. You'll enjoy this. You can have fun with them sometimes. When you find somebody talking about what somebody else is doing for the Lord, stop them and ask them, what are you doing for the Lord? Ask them. They'll be boasting about what somebody else is doing. Say, hey, that's great. That's fantastic that so-and-so is doing that. What are you doing? Whoa. See what, see what their response is. But that's, why, why would I be telling you what somebody else is doing? I should be sharing with you what I'm doing in my life. Have a little fun with them once in a while. The little conviction that you put them under might not necessarily be a bad thing. It might not be bad. Now, in verse 14, Paul says this. But God forbid that I should boast, and the King James transfer, tr translates that glory, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says their motivation, those three things we talked about, they wanted a good showing in the flesh, they were afraid of persecution, and they wanted to brag about what you do in your flesh, that's what a legalist motivates on. That's what, that's what they're doing. Paul says, now let me tell you what my motivation is. I don't know about you, but when I read the Apostle Paul, that's who I want to be like. That's who I want to follow. That's, who, that's a man I look at and go, wow, I wouldn't want his life because what he went through, but I can sure admire what he did. And he says, let me tell you what motivates me. Let me tell you why I'm motivated to do the things that I've done. And interestingly enough, the word glory and cross don't belong in the same sentence. Remember, cross was an offensive word. You didn't talk about it at social gatherings. It was very offensive to people. Paul says this, this statement from Paul would have been downright offensive as they were reading it. Paul just said, I glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I boast. I don't brag about my flesh. I don't brag about somebody else's flesh. I don't brag about how big that church that I planted has gotten. I brag, I boast, I glory only in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only into the cross. This didn't make sense because to the Gentile, the cross was a sign of weakness. You did something wrong. You committed a crime. You're, you're being crucified. To the Greek, the cross was, to the Greek who was involved in intellect and intelligence, the cross was, it made no sense. Why, why, what are you doing thinking about the cross? And to the Jew, the cross was meant for someone who had been cursed. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, they would say. So this thing that Paul's saying that he glories in, this thing that Paul's saying that he, he loves, he boasts in, he brags in, wasn't popular. It wasn't the in thing. It wasn't the new thing. It was the cross of Jesus Christ. And Paul's saying, that's where my hope is. That's why I live the way that I live. That's the, way, that's the reason why I do what I do. Paul says, I take I glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I take pride in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What do we glory in? What do you glory in? What is it that you brag about? What is it you, would you boast about? What is, it, what is it in your life that you take pride about? You see, there's a lot of worldly things. It could be intellect. It could be intelligence. It could be fame, wealth, power, authority. All those things are pe things that people brag about. They look, what is it the people that you look up to? What are they bragging about? What are they boasting about? The apostle Paul, who I look up to, says, I boast about the cross. The cross, Jesus Christ, all that other stuff. Paul was intellectual, probably one of the greatest. Probably wealthy at one point in his life. Now he's a tent maker traveling around. Now he's a prisoner for that cross, for that very thing that he's boasting on. Power and authority, he was a Pharisee. He had incredible power and authority at one point, And he gave it all up for the cross. And then he says this, by whom the world has been crucified to me. By whom the world has been crucified to me. He says, the world and what it offers is dead to me. It's dead to me. I'm not interested. I'm not, I'm not interested in what the world has to offer. I know where the world leads. Let me ask you what the world has to offer this morning. If you were to set aside your belief in Jesus Christ and follow what the world has to offer, follow the, 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 the principles of the world, follow where the world's going, wherever the world will take you, where do you think it's going to lead you? You think it's going to lead you closer to God? No. It's going to lead you farther away. It's going to lead you farther away. Paul's saying, listen, the world is dead to me. I'm not following where the world's leading, he says. I'm not following. And I like the, the clear delineation because I think today we spend too much time on both sides of the fence. I think that we say and we look at the world and go, well, that looks like fun and we can enjoy that and do this, but we also want to follow the cross. We want to be for Christ. And I think sometimes today we need to make a choice. Do we want to follow? Are we going to boast in the cross or are we going to be chasing after things of the world. What is it that you're following? What is it that's motivating you? What is it that you brag about at work? What is it that when you get together with your friends, what do you find yourself talking about? That's, what you'll, that's how you'll find out what you're following. That's, that's, that's the key issue there. But he also says here at the end, and I to the world. The world and Paul would agree. They were both dead to each other. Paul says, I'm dead to the world, and the world would say, I don't, Paul has nothing to offer us. He's too busy 
bragging about the cross. This is his final closing. This is, his, this is what Paul writes with his hand, saying, this, I want you to realize I'm writing this with my own hand now. I've written six and a half chapters, and now I'm going to finish this up with my hand because I think it's so important. These legalists, they're in it for themselves. They're in it for themselves. Paul says, I'm not in it for myself. I'm in it for the cross of Jesus Christ. That's, what's, that's what drives me. What Jesus did on the cross surpasses anything that we can do by keeping a law or a standard that we place in our life. What he did, the finished work of the cross, is far greater than any standard that you can put on your life. What he did on the cross is far greater than the standard of, I read my Bible for 30 minutes a day for 30 days. Let's say you did all 30 days. That'd be great, wouldn't it? It'd probably change your life if you did it. But what he did on the cross doesn't even compare to what 30 days that you got up 30 minutes early to read your Bible. Do you understand that the comparison here? One is, one is so much greater than the other. And then he says this, and kind of in a summary, he says, that For in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Essentially, he's saying it doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Gentile. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you keep the law or don't keep the law, if you set the standard or don't set the standard. If it doesn't matter, what really matters is are you in Christ Jesus? Are you a new creation, he says. And I like that word. Because when somebody believes on Jesus Christ for the first time, they really do become a new creation. They really are, as the scripture would say, born again. We were all born once because you're sitting here, right? And you were pretty much a spectator in that time of your life, weren't you? You just sort of watched things happen. When you believe on Jesus Christ, you get to be a spectator as well. Because you place your faith in him, and he will change your life. He will be the one that does it. Not you. None of you climbed out of that birth canal on your own. You just watched it happen. Here you go. Your eyes weren't even open. Here we go. We're We're coming into the world. It's the same thing with being born again. When someone gives their life to Christ, they are a new creation, the scripture says. Some people, I needed that. I needed to be a new creation because my old creation was really messed up. I was carrying a lot of baggage in my life, a lot of things in my, a lot of bad choices I'd made. A new creation? That's good news. That's gospel message. You get to be a new creation. Your sins will be forgiven. Paul says, that's my focus. My focus is on the cross. Let me ask you this question. If you're in that legalistic realm, sort of test yourself this way. Do you think more about what Jesus did for you or do you think more about what you do for him? Let me ask you. Think about it. In your life, in your everyday life, do you spend more time thinking about what Jesus has done for you, your blessings, the sacrifice on the cross, or are you all about what you're doing for him? Oh, today I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. Now the truth is we should think about both of those things. Most of our time should be spent thinking about what he's done for us. But if the majority of our time is being spent on what we're doing for him, you're in the legalistic realm. You're living a life trying to please him in the flesh. Think about what he did for you, and that other side will take care of itself. I promise. It'll happen that way. In verse 16... 
Paul makes this promise. He says, as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Paul simply says, walk this way. Just walk this way. Do what I'm saying. Walk in the spirit. Forget the laws. Forget the legalism. Forget all the nonsense. And you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. When I get the opportunity to lead people to Christ, I always tell them this. Don't stop doing anything you're doing right now. Don't stop. Well, what if I curse? Just listen. If you will just take your focus and put it on Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will tell you what you need to stop doing next. Not me. But what if they're living in sin, Rob? What if they have all this stuff that is dead wrong that they're doing? That's all right. The Lord's capable of doing it. He's brought them this far. He's capable of cleaning that out from their life when they're ready, in the due time, in his due season. We make too many mistakes of leading people to Christ and saying, all right, now I want you to stop smoking, stop drinking, stop cussing, stop this, stop that, stop this, that. And the person's going, I can't do all that. Just follow the Lord. Just study your word. Begin to pray. Spend time with God. It'll all change. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than watching the Lord change something in somebody's life. Because if I place the rule on you, if I lead you to Christ, and I say to you, no more cursing, no more bad language coming out of your mouth, and then I invite you down to help us with construction, and you hit your thumb with a hammer, and you say, no, I wouldn't say that. And then you look at me and go, oh, I let you down. I'm not the one that places the standard. That's a standard I placed on you. Whether or not you let me down means nothing. If you, through the study of God's word, and the Holy Spirit says to you in your heart, you know, you really should stop using language like that. Then when you use that language, you don't look at me and go, yeah, I blew it. You look up at God. And you look at the Lord Jesus Christ. You go, Lord, I blew it. And he says, I forgive you. Don't do it again. Go and sin no more, he would say. Do you see the difference? The standards have to come from the Lord himself. Now, all of those standards that I said are all good standards. They're all good things. But if I'm the one that's compelling you to do them, they're my standards. They're not coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not coming from the Holy Spirit. I want you guys to be people who look up at the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to change in my life? What is your word? Where, where do you, you know, as I study and I, I read this, maybe, maybe this morning you're going, well, that, I'm kind of that legalistic person. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, ask the Lord, where do you want me to fix it? Where do you want me to change it? And he will, he will show you through the study of his word or he'll, he'll tell you where you need to change it. In verse 17, Paul says this, from now on, let no one trouble me. <laughs> in other words, he's saying, leave me alone. <laughs> Go away. Go away, he says, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. In other words, that word for bear means I'm branded. My body has been branded for the Lord Jesus Christ. And there were two groups of people that were branded back in that day. One was a slave, the other was in the military. The slave would receive the insignia of his master involuntarily. The ones in the military would receive this insignia of their general voluntarily. Paul says, I am branded, I am marked for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Paul, how is it that you're marked for the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm glad you asked. Go a few pages to the left. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just a few pages to the left. We're going to start in verse 23. We're going to see how Paul's body is marked for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus. 
He says this in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three: Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prison, more frequently. In death, or means the threat of death, often. From the Jews, five times I have received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, floating in the water, that is. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Paul says this, my body... My body has been abused. Paul says, I'm not drawing attention to me. I'm drawing attention to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's what was motivating him. That's what was driving him. Paul was sold out. People believed that he was married. Nobody knows what happened to his wife. He had to be married to be a Pharisee. The scripture never tells us what happened to his wife. Did she pass away? Did she leave him because he converted to Christianity? We don't know. It's unknown. But Paul is a person who is sold out. When he says, I am dead to the world and the world is dead to me, he bore the mark. He bore the insignia of that cross of Christ. He bore the marks of what he was doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. And back to Galatians, he says in verse 18, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. In these final eight verses, Paul had a lot to say by his own hand. He gave us the motivation of the legalists or the Judaizers. They desire to make a good showing in the flesh. They desire to avoid persecution. They desire to boast in your flesh and those that are underneath them. And he told us the most important thing. He told us his motivation. He told us what allowed him to be the apostle that the Lord called him to be. Because he boasted in the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ was the most important thing, the only thing that he lived for. When I read this story on Paul, I'm convicted. I'm convicted. I have to tell you. Because while I like to say that I live for the cross of Christ, and I do in some extents, there's still part of me that's living for things in the world. But I don't want that part of me. I want to be like Paul. I look at Paul and go, that's, I, I want that to be my, I want to be completely dead to the world and the world dead to me. But I have to be honest with you, I'm not there yet. But here's what I know. The Lord's working it out in me. He has begun a good work and you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. So if that's you, if you look at that and you're like me going, you know what? I'm not there yet either. Well, good, we can walk through this together. But we can also know that we're not done yet. We're not done. That God has our plan laid out for us. God will meet us there. His work is not finished in us. But let's spend a little more time glorying and boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Lord, would you help us be like the Apostle Paul? Would you help us to be dead to the world and the world being dead to us? Father, would you show us those things in our life that need to change? Would you show us those things that, that are interfering or with our relationship with you? 
Lord, may we be people who are led by your Holy Spirit. Prompted, obedient. Lord, may we not let, may we not let Satan in. May we not become legalists. May we not hold others to a standard that we ourselves don't even keep. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' name, amen.